Hey, and welcome to the Nordic Food Tech Podcast, where we speak with the leading entrepreneurs, organizations, ecosystem builders, and investors designing and enabling new food solutions in Scandinavia. My name is Annalisa Winther, and let's jump in. Samuel Scheer works at the Innovation Center Denmark in Tel Aviv, where they just opened up a ton of programs focused on accelerating ag and food tech businesses, both in Israel and in the global entrepreneurial ecosystem that exists around food. Samuel is from Europe, but he's lived in Tel Aviv since 2015. He's built three businesses himself and is a graduate of the Singularity University Global Solutions Program. But in this episode, we're not going to focus on that. Instead, we're going to look at why the Danish-Israeli connection is so powerful, what we can learn from each other, and how you can get involved with this global stage. So I'd love to get started by asking you the question we ask everybody, which is, when did you first realize, or was there a moment when you realized that you wanted to work with food? So I have to be honest with you, my background is in healthcare and in startups, even in, in the mobility space, and then um, uh, mostly with within food and, and um, those things as a sort of a more distant topic, and of course, as a consumer on an everyday basis. Um, so this is uh, this is sort of more a passion that's been ignited by me through outside forces, uh, which is specifically um, when I joined the Innovation Center Denmark, um, Israel, here a, a few months ago in, in September 2018. Um, that's when we pretty much almost immediately um, closed a major engagement with the Region Mitteland, and um, since then have been working on food um, and agri as an extension of that. So then maybe you can tell us what exactly is Innovation Center Denmark and then what your role is in the organization and how that's working with food. Yes. So first of all, the Innovation Center Denmark is basically a consulting company, um, a governmental consulting company under the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in a collaboration between the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and the Ministry of Higher Education and Science um, in Denmark. And about um, 10 years ago, I don't know um, the exact date, um, but it was decided that um, in order for Denmark to be competitive long term and to ensure Danish interests in innovation and technology globally, um, it would make sense to start sort of a, uh, a parallel foreign service of some sort um, where we help um, Danish companies beyond what the Trade Council does and what's export related, really in innovating and, and being the leaders of today and remaining the leaders of tomorrow. Um, and that goes for companies, it goes for research organizations such as um, the um, Danish Technological Institutes, but it also goes for government arms as well as um, small and, and big size companies. Um, so we covered the whole ecosystem. Um, we have about eight innovation centers around the world, from all the way from Silicon Valley to Shanghai, um, in dedicated innovation hotspots. And these can be found on our website. Um, we're about, I want to say, about 60 to 70 professionals at any given time, and um, it's growing over time um, because it, um, it's, I think we bring value, and we are basically, we work, we have a subsidy from the government, but we have to earn most of the work that we do, meaning that companies or other institutions, as previously mentioned, in Denmark see so much value in us that they're willing to pay us at our hourly rate, which is about 1,000 krona an hour, um, for doing work that they couldn't do by themselves um, and that they see our um, role in, uh, as crucial in that. And my specific role, I'm an innovation consultant with the Innovation Center Denmark, 
So I work in various assignments and one over the last six to eight months of that sort has been where we help the region Midtjylland um, and various organizations within that region um, to basically future-proof the food cluster and make sure that um, this region of Denmark is as prosperous economically and, and scientifically in the future as it is today. Can you maybe also explain who Region Midtjylland is because it's such an important partner in the collaboration that's happening and unfolding now between Denmark and Israel? Exactly. So they're a, a, uh, an administrative region in, in Denmark um, with, I believe, their, their headquarters in, in the Aarhus region. Um, and they basically decided that um, they need to make sure that when you think of the, the future of food and, and agri, um, when you think of the future of dairy and you have all these new startups doing non-dairy based um, dairy alternatives, or you think of the um, Danish brown and you think of um, sort of meat alternatives that are coming up, whether they're plant-based or, um, or, um, or cell-based, um, you find that there's a lot of things that are happening in innovation and technology that are sort of putting at least a question mark as to the ability of this um, food cluster that we have in the central region of Denmark um, to be as prosperous as it is today. And then on the on the other aspect, I think it's it's really interesting to look at um, sort of what's happening, whether it's in Silicon Valley, whether it's in, in, in Israel and, and Tel Aviv, um, or in other sort of innovation hotspots, um, where suddenly the agri and, and food um, industries are becoming a major uh, major point of interest for um, for technology driven people and companies and and so we're seeing a lot more um, interest from um, entrepreneurs who historically haven't worked in those interests into these interests both driven by UN and the sustainable development goals and other sort of motivators but also driven by pure business interest where they think that technology can add a unique value to those industries and potentially disrupt them as well. Right. So this region of Denmark basically approached you guys with an interest in food tech and ag tech and saw Israel as the answer. Is that right? Or as a, a hotspot for it? Beyond just food and, and ag tech, it's really also about the future of health. Um, so when we think of um, how do we add major value, how do we ensure high value industry um, to be built in Denmark, we are not going to compete on price with the Chinese or with our um with our ecosystems. But what we can do and what we can think to do is how do we get clean label products? How do we um, use food technology to maybe help people be more healthy? Um, how do we use new research in, in microbiome um, and other fields to basically um, help people understand what they're eating and how it affects their body? Those are all just some of the, the topics that sort of um, the, the region is, is dealing with and that we want to be, be partner with. I think it would be great then if you can tell us a little bit more about Israel then and why it's such a hotspot for food and agri uh, agriculture right now, because I'm sure many people haven't been there and experienced it from the startup angle, though maybe they've been on vacation. But um, maybe you can just talk a little bit about what is going on in Israel right now when it comes to food. The way that I describe it, it's, it's sort of a perfect storm. So if you look at Israel from a historical perspective, first of all, it's sort of a surprise that this country even exists and, and still exists um, for all kinds of geopolitical and other reasons. But if you think about it and if you look at it from an ag and food perspective, it's basically one big desert and then you have in the in, and you have very many different climate zones and both and you have very big differences in terms of altitude and, and um, 
and, and those topics. So you basically are looking at, from an act point of view, you can pretty much grow anything if you know how to, but it's not a, a land that lends itself very easily to agriculture and, and food. Um, and, and then, so historically, if you look at the 60s and 70s, Israel had big trouble in getting enough water to do, um, to do agriculture and to do farming. And so they become um, very, very good at irrigation and drip irrigation technologies, um, as well as desalination technologies. And I think that's a, one, one part of the story, which is now sort of their world leaders. If you look at companies like Netafim or others um, in those technologies. So that's agritech, and that's been also primarily exported to other um, geographies and, and um, countries where they're facing similar issues. Um, so that's one part of the story. The other part of the story, I think, is that Israel and, and um, Israeli culture is, is a very foodie culture. So it's very important. I think Israel has one of the highest um, vegetarians per capita, um, and it also has... Um, a huge number of vegetarian restaurants, and it's sort of embedded in the culture um, and with uh, hummus and trina and other um, meals being very much central to people's everyday diet. And then I think third, thirdly, um, on the technology side, um, the ag and, and food industry is right now undergoing a major transformation, uh, which is certainly not lost on, on um, the companies and, and people that we speak to in the Nordics. Um, but it's also interesting that a lot of the technologies that Israel has historically been very strong at, so it could be in terms of artificial intelligence, it could be in terms of drones and using um, SLAM and, and other, um, could be more, more advanced systems for um, automated um, data collection. Um, those are all topics that Israel is very strong in and that the ag and, and food industry is finding that they both um, need these technologies, but they're also willing to pay for them because there is a very big competitive sprint going on. And then on maybe lastly, on the science and, and research side, um, it's quite well known that Israel has a number of um, some of the world's leading research institutions, whether it's the Technion or the Weizmann Institute or um, the Hebrew University's um, campus in Rehovot and now newly Tel Chai College in the north, um, and many of them are focusing really on food and agricultural sciences since uh, a number of years, and hence they're the professors and the, the research that come out of those departments has global relevance. And I think so that's the, the, the part of the reason, and maybe as an additional thought, the, the venture capitalists here, when, you, when they see suddenly new startups jumping up in, in agri and food, you find that they're they're ready to invest and they're ready to go the game and they might actually have relevant experience both um, from having lived abroad and worked in those corporates or similar or um, having been in, in food and, and um, technology businesses before and hence having relevant know-how. So how are you guys helping startups to tap into all this different stuff that's going on? What are the projects, the services, the different things you have going on that companies can tap into from the Nordics? I think... There, it, it's really differentiated by who we want to help. So for researchers, we basically connect them to their Israeli counterparts, but we're also, we have a partnership between Tel Chai College in the north and Aarhus University, where just last week we had several senior researchers from Aarhus University for a signing ceremony and some other things in Israel. Um, so there we're looking to expand sort of the, the collaborations that are happening. Um, and that's also something that we're looking to engage 
um, corporates and maybe to a lesser degree, but also startups as where it's relevant. Um, the, the second part that we're working on is uh, we have what we call an agri-food boot camp. So we just run, ran the, the first one in June from the 16th to the 20th here in Israel um, with 10 startups, seven from Denmark and three from Sweden um, for a one-week acceleration boot camp with, of course, uh, follow-up and, and a pre-Skype call, um, which I think was, is a major part and I'd be happy to elaborate. Um, and then we're also in the process of raising a Danish-Israeli venture capital fund in um, food and agri-tech. Um, and then lastly, um, we're actually looking to connect the Danish food cluster and other relevant organizations in the Nordics with their global counterparts, um, whether it be in New Zealand, in Holland or in the U.S. and basically the major food and agri innovation hotspots. Are the services you guys offered only focused on Danish companies primarily? I heard you say that there are Swedish companies who join the startup program, but can any person who's interested in food or working on the future of food tap into what you guys are doing and get into this global ecosystem, or is it exclusively for Danes? Exactly. So as we are called Innovation Center Denmark, um, we have sort of a primary mandate to work with Danish companies and uh, Danish organizations, but we're also being um, creative here in trying to make and create value for our Nordic partners. So in the last camp, we had Swedish companies. In the next camp, we're looking to also have Norwegian and Finnish companies and maybe even Icelandic. Um, and then, um, and we're currently in talks with those organizations, but um, not yet in, in the dry category yet. Um, but that's sort of definitely what we're looking to. And we're also looking to make this less about Israel, even though we think that's a core component, but also, but more about Nordic startups going out into the world and getting relevant insights and know-how from the from the respective ecosystems that are of relevance to them. So to give you an example, um, we have another innovation center in Brazil, um, which is very, very big in agri-technology. Um, um, we have another innovation center in the U.S., actually two of them. Um, so those are sort of the partners that we would be looking at to, to run programs together. And we're already having contacts with, for example, WeWork Food Labs in New York City um, and other organizations that have a similar global reach um, that we're looking to partner up with. Awesome. And so before we dive more into the startup program and what you guys do specifically there, I had the great pleasure of living in Tel Aviv. And I know that the startup culture there and the whole ecosystem is just, it's like Silicon Valley in a whole other way. So maybe you can describe as well what exactly is the entrepreneurial ecosystem and what we can kind of learn in the Nordics compared to how business is done in Israel and, and why it's important for people to go see what's happening over there and how people help each other and just the fire that people have when it comes to entrepreneurship. First of all, I, I'm, I'm glad you experienced it and I think it's, it's hard to put into words um, in its entirety, but there's a few uh, sort of key observations that I've made um, that help me convey these messages to my, my Nordic friends uh, when I go visit them or when I have calls. Um, I guess that one thing that really is very, very prevalent in Israel is company building. Um, and company building meaning all the way from inception to exit um, or to IPO, depending on um, who you're talking to, um, and doing that repeat, uh, repeatedly. So you can find uh, a very large number, I would say, given the amount of the people who live here, um, of serial entrepreneurs who've done this multiple times. 
Um, I think that's very different from, from the Nordics where you have a lot of corporate folk and you have people who are subject matter experts, but more on their subjects such as IP or marketing or finance or similar, but less on building companies from scratch to IPO. Um, and Israel has the second most um, com companies on the NASDAQ um, after the United States. And maybe China is now um, closing up and maybe I'm wrong and it's the third. But that's, I think, unprecedented. Um, the second part is the capital. Um, so when you look at Israel, it's actually the number one country for venture capital per capita, um, way beyond the United States, way beyond any European country. Um, and so you find that there's just a ton of capital that's looking to invest. That means that you have investors who've invested in similar businesses, they have experience from the field, and they might actually have an entrepreneurial background from what they've done before. And that's, I think, again, something that in the Nordic, sometimes we, we discuss um, that it's, it's lacking and, and that investors are too hesitant or too risk averse, um, and that it's, it's definitely not the case um, here. I think thirdly, um, what I very much appreciate here is that people here are very down to earth. So they're building real businesses and not sometimes, you know, cloud businesses like sometimes can be said about Silicon Valley. And having lived there, I, I do see some truth in that, um, which goes very well with the Nordic mentality of, of building sort of tangible things that have real value for real people. Um, uh, but secondly, it also means that they're very, very direct, very honest. Um, which is sometimes something that, that can be a bit hard to get from a, a Nordic counterpart, um, certainly in the first meeting. And uh, Israelis will do that after four minutes um, latest. Um, and, and lastly, I think that um, from, from our experience with the startups, having ha had them here, it's the, the global mindset. So Israeli entrepreneurs or VCs or others are never interested in building for the Israeli market. They don't even look at it sometimes as a pilot uh, project place. Um, they really think global for day one, and that means that even seed stage companies, they've been to Brazil, they've been to United States, they've been to China in the first year of their inception, and they know and they've spoken to potential customers in those markets and maybe even investors in those markets, and they have a very good sense of where the opportunities lie globally for their companies and have been able to refine their stories accordingly. And I think that's sometimes something that I observe that we wait a little bit too much with in the Nordics, and then we, we hope and expect that the world will want our product when we're finally done with developing it. Yeah, I, I experienced a huge amount of what felt like intensity and also speed. So when somebody gets an idea, they go for it. But even in reaction time to meeting someone, following up with somebody, it, it had this sense of entrepreneurship was in the people's DNA. And I also found that People were very willing to open doors and give time or feedback. It was a much more um, we're all in this together kind of thing and not so siloed or isolated and very willing to make introductions. Everybody was like, how can I help you? What can I do? And that's it's a wonderful thing to experience because sometimes it's really hard to meet the people who can help you on your journey. Absolutely. I couldn't uh, speak to that more. I mean, when we had the companies here two weeks ago, we had the meet about 60 people from the ecosystem in a variety of different formats and sessions and I don't think there's a single and, and just one example about the speed and the intensity when I asked them on Sunday do you have meetings set up for Thursday um, business to business meetings for your company most of them said no 
And that was one of their tasks that they'd had for the boot camp. Now, by Wednesday, when I asked them, even Tuesday, um, I asked them again, do you have meetings set up? And everyone said they have too many meetings set up, so they have to like put some into Skype and really prioritize. Um, and when I think of the, the same situation in the Nordics, um, we would find that it's from sort of meeting someone to having a meeting, uh, meeting someone casually at a reception or um, at, a, at a session to actually having meeting might, you know, take two or three weeks or even more. And here it's like two days is, is almost too long for the Israeli counterparts. And they're wondering, like, why would we waste so much time if we want to talk now? Exactly. It's very, as I said, it's intense. You have to be ready for the ride. But can you can you tell us more about the program and what it looks like, how it's structured, um, what companies get out of it, as well as the practical things like the criteria for who you're looking for, what's the cost, when are you doing the next one, what is this startup program you guys are offering? First of all, I think when we designed the program, we didn't quite know what what we would get out of it. And we, we went around and we mapped the Danish ecosystem. We mapped um, exactly what agri and food companies there are in uh, both in Denmark and in the Nordics. And we understood that there's a large number of early stage companies that are lacking the, the tools and methods to lead their companies to be relevant part players, um, even in the sort of in the Series A stage or, or afterwards. Um, so that's sort of the space that we're playing in. We're looking for early stage found um, early stage companies. We're looking for the founding team of those companies, and we're looking for highly innovative, ideally technology driven businesses. Um, those are the ones that we can mostly help. And to some degree, we're also looking for business to business companies and not so much business to consumer because we think that Israel has a, a unique ability to help these kinds of companies and in our you that by extension us um, that we can help really help them um, in terms of the the program that we're doing um, for the next edition which is in September um, from the 22nd and to the 26th of, of September um, that's where actually two of the biggest conferences um, in Israel in agri and food are happening food tech IL and agri vest IL and um, we're gonna look to get our company's stage presence um, so that's one. But the other part is that we're actually looking to create a five-day program, which will be very intense, as has the last one been. And for anyone who's had a chance to look at our social media channels or the Danish food cluster or similar or read about our program in the news, um, I think the, the one uniform feedback that the companies have all given is that it's boosted them in a major way um, in a variety of forms. And while we, we look at outcome and uh, data in the future, we're measured by companies being able to raise investment um, down the line. Um, but there's a lot of indicators that we can use to already show that I think we're having a major impact. So over the last two days, I've talked to all the 10 companies that have been here. And what they've told me is that they basically um, they got a major um, sort of transformation in terms of personally how they look at their business. Um, they are much more ambitious in their ambitions um, for their company, both in terms of the amounts they raise, in terms of the um, customers they want to close. But I think they're also, and that's my understanding, more able to really make those dreams a reality. Um, and I think that's something that, that the Israeli ecosystem can uniquely provide. Um, secondly, actually, a number of them are currently in touch with Israeli investors discussing their 
um, financial, discussing their um, pitches and, and so forth, um, and, and basically starting the process of raising uh, money, um, both from Israeli investors, but some of them actually from Nordic investors, but with a renewed ability to really catch the attention and the interest of those investors. Um, the third one that I would mention is actually um, a somewhat unexpected one that our founders got out of the program. Because we only focused on um, agri and food businesses, there was a lot of what I would call cross-fertilization between the companies. So actually some of them have decided to now do par partner up and say, okay, we want to do develop a new project together. Um, and that might lead to major revenues in the future, but also in terms of companies that they've met in Israel um, that would be um, would offer them access to a global market that they might not even have been aware about of. Um, and maybe lastly, a lot of them have made major changes in their company as a result because they were exposed to a new industry or they were exposed to a new aspect of the industries that they're working in. Um, and so they've changed sort of the the business model or the target industry or similar. Um, and I think those are all sort of some of the, the things that I can grasp already. Um, but I do hope that we see a future where it can be even in quantitative terms um, measured that we can say um, that this program leads directly to the following outputs and outcomes. What is your hypothesis for why there is kind of more of a B2B focus? I'm just curious about what you see there. Yes, so I think Israel um, is really good at building technology and the people here are great at technology and, and providing that technology to, a, um, to global customers. Um, when you think of um, Israeli, Israel as a country, there's not really that many consumer brands um, and there's not so many companies that are really marketing driven um, as there are elsewhere. And I think that matters because it shows that while Israel wants to do that, um, that's actually something that the Nordics are very, very good at, at building consumer brands, at building value through customer service and interaction. Um, and, and that's, I think, something that um, is less of a thing to, to come to Israel too. Um, I do think in terms of online marketing or similar things, that's something where maybe Israeli companies know um, how to do things. But um, that's been my experience. On the other hand, if you look into business to business, you find that Israelis have, have an enormous amount of experience of working with American corporates or with Chinese investors or with um, Australian business communities, to just give you a, a flavor. Um, and, and that's where a lot of this, these things that can be a little bit opaque um, can come in, where you, you can just see patterns in, in how these things happen um, and exchange with, with the relevant um, people in the ecosystem. I'm imagining there just being a huge influx of Israeli investors and Danish-Israeli partnerships. And I, I'm also wondering if you have any tips for dealing with Israeli investors, because of just like we have different strengths in different regions, we also have cultural differences. And I wonder if you can just describe what an investor from that part of the world is looking for if anybody is approaching them and what you should be prepared for or how to act. So I think you need to have your act together, meaning all the documents ready and ready to engage from day one. So for example, we had a very interesting experience about two weeks ago when one of the startups, um, they came from the, the Swedish context and the, one of the investors they met on Sunday, um, he, he told them, um, send me your pitch deck and send me your information. And then they met him again on Tuesday and he got quite pissed 
because they hadn't sent him anything. Now, when I spoke to them, they said, well, in the Nordics, in Sweden, um, if, we, if someone says we should send it something, that's okay, we do it a week later, sometimes two, but the investor anyway, we're not going to have a meeting until five or six weeks later, so it doesn't matter much. Um, in Israel, I think the opposite is true. People are so um, filled with and, and so fueled by new companies and new startups every day that they meet. Um, so if you can catch the attention span um, right away after you met with the person, that leaves sort of a, a great impression and it's sort of a good basis for a future collaboration. This is not to say that the startup now isn't in touch with that person, but I think um, it, it goes to show a little bit the, the attitude that's uh, sort of very different. Um, in terms of Israeli investors, I, I would say it, it's very much, you know, like you're dating, a, you're, you're dating someone and it's sort of like the hard to catch play part. Um, but I think you really have to show them that you're working on something interesting, that it's technology driven. And ideally, if you can, um, and we have this now with a few companies coming up in the fall, um, where we're bringing investors to them in the Nordics to show them exactly where they're um, working, what um, what their setup looks like, and basically build somewhat of a between a business and an emotional connection between the the investors and the companies. What is your vision for what the Nordic food tech ecosystem should look like in ten to fifteen years? And it's awesome also to get your perspective as a non-Dane for how you see the Nordics and where we can go, and also to be helping us from a different angle. So first of all, I have to say I'm not. Danish and I'm not Nordic and I've been on holiday in a few of the countries um, that we're, we're working in, um, but I have by no means would I consider myself a food or agri expert um, given, given what the Nordics are, are, are doing already today. Um, so take this very much with a grain of salt. Um, I think that when I observe the Nordics, I mean, I see Norway, which is undergoing a major transformation and needs to transition out of fossil fuels into basically something else. Um, and I think that food and agri are going to be a part of that, whether you look at the salmon and, and other industries or seafood in, in general, um, as well as into our um, farming and, um, and, and the things they're doing there. Um, so I do see that as, as, a, as a turning point for the Norwegian economy and agri and food as a potential driver of um, of major value for that ecosystem. Um, in terms of the um, of the Danish ecosystem, where I've had a little bit more exposure, um, I know that Aarhus and, and the cities around it and, and the communities around it, as well as in Copenhagen with Grostack and, and other communities, I, I know that there's a lot of desire. Um, and I think that the, and, and the same I could say about Sweden and Sweden food tech and, and those um, areas. And for Finland, I just haven't dug in enough to, to be able to give a sense. Um, but my understanding is that the unique value contribution about that the Nordics can bring to the world is to basically educate and empower the world to live in, in more harmony, in greater harmony with the planet. Um, and that's when, when you listen to a lot of the um, pitches and, and startups that are coming out of the Nordics, there is not a single one that doesn't mention the sustainable development goals by the UN um, on their like first slide or second slide. Now, I think that's completely different in Israel, um, where you have much more business-driven and, and sort of uh, numbers-driven people um, that also do great businesses, 
but they don't necessarily see that as their um, purpose and mandate in life um, to, to make that world. And so I think that's a, a major contribution. And given that the world and, and when we look at the, the protests that are going on in terms of, um, say, the, the school strikes and others, I do think that there's sort of a positive storm and also a consumer as well as business willingness to pay premium dollar for premium product. And premium product meaning more sustainable products and more sort of good for the planet kinds of services and products. And I think that's where my vision for the, the Nordics would be to, to get basically this message out to the world and to make sure that the Nordic companies are successful globally in teaching and educating the world that there's a more sustainable way to do business in, in agri and food and both have, you know, profitable um, businesses and, and um, well-functioning economies, as well as doing good for the planet and, and, and uh, reducing our, our climate and, and other emissions. What do you think we're missing to get there in order to achieve that vision? So first of all, I think this is a great question and I'd have to think about it more. But off the bat, I think it's two main things that I can identify. One is ambition and the other one is cooperation. So when we think of ambition, uh, we think, and if I talk to a Danish startup, often they will tell me, let's first serve our customers in Denmark and then let's expand to Sweden and maybe if they're really ambitious to Germany or the UK. I don't think that that's how global businesses are being built. And when I look at the, the founders of Too Good To Go or Just Eat or other sort of um, or Oatly and other major success stories from the Nordics in agri and food, I find that they, from the very outset, started their businesses and thought about their businesses differently. Um, and that's also something that I see a lot of Israeli entrepreneurs doing. Um, the second part is that I think we like to talk a lot about cooperation um, and, and collaboration. I just don't know how much we're making that happen on a global scale. So I think we, in, in a way, to exit the Nordic eco-chamber of one conference and another conference and another, and to go out into the world with that story and with major delegations and major um, business hubs and business exchange from the Nordics with the big markets globally, whether it's the United States, China, Brazil, or others that have important, important contributions um, and, and sort of where the, the impact lies, and doing that at a much earlier stage I think those two would already be, and, and you know that can be facilitated by the government or it can be facilitated privately, but I think those two would be major value drivers um, in, in that transition. Fantastic. Those are really great insights and some different ones than what I've heard before when we've asked the same questions. So next question is, what is next for Innovation Center Denmark? What can we look forward to from you guys? Yes. So first of all, um, we're running our boot camp again in September for all the startups. Um, and we're currently, um, we're going to open the, the applications, um, I hope, if I get to it tomorrow morning. Um, so that's, that's happening very shortly. Um, and we already have some companies that have talked to us before, um, but we're always looking for applications and um, making sure we get really the, the most high-profile companies in the field. Um, so that we bring value not just to the companies, but also to our Israeli stakeholders who trust us that we bring the most exciting Nordic companies to them for them to engage in what they do best. 
Um, secondly, um, we're actually going to try to institutionalize this program. So we're running it again in, in the spring and then um, hopefully twice a year um, going forward. Um, and the reason why we do it in, in Israel and why we think that that's the, the way to go is that for this kind of early stage companies, we think that this is an ideal um, partner in understanding where your company can go in the future. And if you think about it, Denmark and Israel are very similar in, in terms of, or even the Nordic countries, in terms of the population, in terms of the domestic market, and, and similar, and, and so forth. So I think there's a lot of parallels that um, wouldn't necessarily be the case if you went to, to the U.S. and then came back, um, but inspired by a completely different sort of breeding ground. Um, the other part that we're looking to do is to grow this program to a global program. And this is something that I don't yet have enough um, confirmations on, um, but I don't see a single reason why this should not be a program where over the course of 12 to 18 months, um, you go to the major markets that are relevant for your product, product um, and our service, and that you get the, the local access that you couldn't get by yourself. Just to give you an example, if you as a Danish or a Nordic um, agri company try to right now go to China and, and make contacts, you will, might find that there's no one on LinkedIn to connect to because they don't use LinkedIn. Um, you might find that you can't really generate cool lists of, of companies or people that you want to speak to because you can't understand the language. And that's where um, the Innovation Center and our colleagues at the Trade Council and others can come in and provide services that are sort of beyond the reach of what any um, individual company could do by themselves. And if we pool these resources and we actually put a number of companies together in one pool and the needs are somewhat similar, then we can actually uh, realize both cost savings as well as um, making the program more interesting for everyone. It's super exciting to think about a globalized program. I hope we get to see that happen. It's a super cool idea. Last thing is, how can listeners get involved and what's the best way to contact you? So how can listeners get involved? Um, first of all, of course, look at the website, but more importantly, be in touch. Um, I would love to, to get a, a swamp of emails um, basically telling me um, I want to um, either join the program or I'm looking for a connection in this and that regard, or I need to um, find out uh, something about the, the global market. Um, my contact details, I'm sure we can maybe put them on, on the website as well, um, but my name is Samuel Shear and my email is samsch at um.dk. That's samsch at um.dk. And that's, I think, a great way to contact me. Of course, I have phone numbers and I'm active on LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook. And um, my Instagram is not so active, but if you want to message me there, I think uh, I'd be happy to, to be involved there as well. Yes, bottom line is get in touch and let's start connecting more of the world when it comes to food through food. Yes. Well, thank you so much for your time and for sharing all this great information. And can't wait to see what happens next. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to build the Nordic agri-food ecosystem together with you, Annalisa. All right, guys, that's all for today. You can find the show notes and more episodes at nordicfoodtech.io. And if you like what you hear, please be generous and take the time to rate the show or share it on social media. This is all about creating better food solutions, and we can't do that without your help. 
I'm Annalisa Winther, and let's spread the word about the Nordic food tech ecosystem together. See you next time.